From behind the invisible bars that encompass the reality, we call Gitmo Nation. This is your weekly tune-up. We call it No Agenda. Coming to you from a sunny southern England in Gitmo Nation East, I'm Adam Curry. And in Gitmo Nation West, also known as Northern Silicon Valley. The place that doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. (laughs) But... I tell people to tell the cab driver to take you there. <laughs> John, let me start this week's show off with some excellent news. You ready? Okay. We have now reached over 100,000 uh, listeners per episode. Oh, we have. In fact, uh, two weeks ago we did 100. It's progressive, obviously, so, you know, people are behind and catch up. Two weeks ago we did 135,000, and we're already over 101,000 for last week. Well, I think we uh, all we need to do now is plead, <laughs> beg uh, for it to double. We need to get to a quarter of a million. This, yeah, that's our next milestone. But you know what? We didn't even do anything. We just focused on it, and it happened. No, we we did one week. Remember, we begged and begged people to tell us. Yeah, yeah, but that's different. You know, you and I had talked about you know getting celebrity guests on. You know, getting Britney Spears on. <laughs> we had all kinds of fabulous plans. <laughs> just goes but we're to too lazy. Yeah, that would be it. Too busy or just too damn lazy. I can also, yeah. t- I can really tell though the audience is up because I'm getting more hate mail than usual. Oh, hate mail. That's a good sign. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the, what do they hate you for? What uh, is with the hate? A lot of hate, interestingly enough, uh, about my comments on vaccination. Oh, right. I mean, like a lot of people in the middle. What did you field. say? I don't even remember. You had talk- on this show or was it yeah. Daily Source Code? No, well, it's it, it's been back and forth. We talked about it briefly last week. Uh, in fact, one of those emails you were copied on, and um, I can't remember what it was, honestly, John, but uh, I'm sure it was me saying something to the effect of, don't let the government stick needles in your children. Oh. Yeah. So anyway, but it's just, uh, you know, after doing this for, uh, well, doing podcasts for four years, uh, been in radio since I was 15, you, you know when the audience grows, you can just feel it. So welcome, everybody. <laughs> Come on yeah, in. Now we'll, be cra- now we'll suck. Yeah, exactly. Come into Uncle Ernie's holiday camp where we fiddle about. So I understand it was really still, it was like lousy weather back there. People were getting flooded. Schools were being closed. Yeah, uh, unbelievably, today has been absolutely fantastic. But yes, um, in the Midlands and in the north where that always happens, uh, just because of the geography, um, flooding. Um, uh, but the weather has just been extremely bad. Uh, until, of course, they flipped on the Large Hadron Collider. Now it's all clearing up. So I guess there's, uh, there's some, some benefit yeah, to good. it. But, uh, now the, the worst thing actually is the wheat crop. And, uh, they're not, no one's really talking about that here. Um, uh, but you can see. They the, grow wheat? Yeah, for, uh, for, for bread and stuff. In England? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Huh. Well, what do you think they make those crop circles in? Oh, I thought you, now that you mention it, yeah, I guess it would be mm-hmm. you could like, with something. So the so the problem is that um, the rain wiped out like you know uh, it's it's a, a third of the of the normal crop that they would have. So prices of wheat are now triple uh, what they normally are, and uh, now they're gearing up to import wheat from Germany. Interestingly <laughs> enough, who had a banner year, uh, they did uh, twenty or twenty five percent better than normal, but. Um, it's it's rough, man. Because I mean, it, yeah, it's you think just bread, but I think wheat is used in a lot of stuff, so it is going to impact uh, impact food prices once again. 
Yeah, and the funny thing is when the food prices go up, they don't usually come down. Now, well, look at gasoline. Because a lot of this... Oil, well, gasoline. oil going down, gasoline going up. It makes so much my, sense. My gasoline's going down around here. I don't know what you're talking about. The... Um, <laughs> And the oil prices are going to collapse. I mean, right now you see them just teetering. Oh, yeah. Once it gets, I think the, the next bottom is probably, it's got to be like 95 or something. And then it's just going to slide all the way down to 60. I That'd be nice if it gets back to 40. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if the, if they're going to well, manipulate I mean, they're it down back that production. far. They're doing all these things now to try to prop it up because they're freaked. Well, um, I was talking to my uh, my buddy, my Halliburton friend who works for a U.K. company, which um, uh, does all infrastructure for oil drilling projects. He knows a lot about this stuff. And uh, he says that uh, today, to get oil out of the ground, the actual infrastructure and people, uh, it's already around $40, just to uh, $40 to $45 per barrel, just to get it out of the ground. It's uh, double that if, you, if you're trying to get it out of, uh, like, the North Sea, as an example. And that's because it's just the the equipment isn't there. The people aren't there. They cannot recruit recruit enough people um, uh, to do the surveys, to do the work. I mean, it's it's a uh, it's unbelievable. The supply and demand of the workforce and the materials has just boosted that price, the 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 ground floor base price up. I wonder what they pay somebody to be on an oil rig. Oh, it's huge money. Oh, dude, I uh, I know uh, a cab driver. Uh, Taxi Eric, who you will meet when you go to Amsterdam because he will be driving you around. Um, and he was on the, um, uh, on one of the drilling platforms in the North Sea. And, you know, it was like, um, I think it was two weeks on, one week off. And he said, you know, it was great money. He said he had to stop because it was just, it was freaking him out how dangerous it really was. But, uh, yeah, it's like, uh, like those, uh, crab. Well, what is great boats. money? I mean, what are we talking about here? At least double what he's making on the cab. So, you know, for manual labor, I think great work. Yeah, we need to get some specifics. I'll Is it a hundred dollars an hour? I'll ask him. I'll ask him. But um, I know the guys. Who, I have a couple of friends who ended up going to uh, Iraq, and they live in the green zone. They're private contractors. Huge money, I'll bet. Huge money, yeah. hundreds of thousands of dollars, like two, three hundred thousand dollars a year, just I, to. I've actually heard that they're um, that they've paid off. Uh, you know, there's like $35,000 spot bonuses to lieutenants and captains in Iraq. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that's the surge. Maybe yeah, it's just well, a, it's a surge of money. Surge yeah. of taxpayers' money. <laughs> a money surge. That's right. <laughs> Speaking of uh, of oil and uh, and surge, uh, the big news uh, this weekend over here in the United Kingdom is the bankruptcy of XL uh, Travel. Um, XL, XL what? XL, I think it's travel or aviation. Let me see. I think, uh, it, it's a package tour company. Well, why would that be big news? Uh, because 89,000. We got Lehman Brothers listen, going down no, the wait, tubes. No, wait, no, 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 listen to me. I'm getting to your bottom in a second. Lehman, uh, XL is 89,000 Britons who are now in, uh, vacation destinations who can't get back. Oh, I see. <laughs> you think, you think that's a problem? <laughs> that's a good number. 89, here, it's 50,000 passengers stranded who booked with XL tour operators, 10,000 who booked with uh, the air, the airline, cause it's a, a combo deal, or you can get it separately. 25,000. Oh, were these, these like, oh shit. I'm sorry, are these like, 
No, you, you're, the, the connection got weird. It's okay. I got you. The, um, are these like charter flights? Is that the reason? Because normally when I book through, if I'd book through a travel company, they'd give me some tickets. I have a take a round trip on United and I don't, I wouldn't get No, stressed. no, 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 no. They have, they have their own aircraft and it's, uh, it's kind of an interesting company. It's a, it's a hybrid. So they, um, they typically book vacations with the flight, but you can also just book a flight because they're, they're so big. Um, they had 200,000 advanced bookings. Those people, their money's gone. Um, the guy, the, the chairman, Philip, he was crying on television, dude, literally crying. Although I don't get it. I mean, who, who, what the hell is the regulator over here doing? If these guys were in such dire straits, you'd think that maybe you want to check on their maintenance and some other stuff. They knew about it. So what was the, the, the rationale for the folding? Uh, I mean, oh, oh, um, well, so they had, they had converted a, um, a line of credit from Barclays into a loan and then Barclays said, okay, that's it. No more money. And, uh, all of their, um, suppliers, i.e. landing fees, airports, et cetera, and of course fuel, uh, required immediate cash, uh, cash payments. And so it just, uh, you know, it's just that magical Cascaded, moment. Thanks yeah, to Barclays. Just, yeah. Yeah. Thanks to Barclays, I would say. Huh. Yeah. Well, you know, but Barclays was probably right. You know, Apparently. It, it, the thing that's gotten mo- so expensive for these, for any airline, certainly in Europe, is the CO2 tax. That's what's really killing everybody. And, I'm you know, sorry. The CO2 tax. <laughs> this is where this is where it's headed here too. This some bogus tax. Yeah. Hey, yeah. let's uh, let me see here. Let's what else can we tax these guys for? You know, I like the CO2 idea because it's kind of so nebulous. You know, you can't prove it one way or the other. So let's just tax them for for their emissions. Well, you, well aren't you, they you, already being taxed for the gas when they buy it going in? Shouldn't that account for this? No, no, no. Let's just make another tax out of the blue, and we'll call it CO2 tax, and nobody will complain about it because all these green freaks will think it's just cool. I'm sure you blogged this somewhere, and I can't remember who it was. It was some official, and he came out and said, uh, "You need to eat less meat to save on carbon emissions." Did you Did you read that story? And <laughs> yeah, it's like amazing. It's one. like you know, because this is what's going to happen next. First, they're going to absolutely they're going to say, "Look, okay, you've got uh, uh, four four hundred uh, head of cattle. Uh, they all take a dump about this four is times all the a vegans. Day. I'm telling you, this is a bunch of vegetarian, <laughs> vegan, vegan, whatever you want to call them, people behind all this. It's the greenies, man. Damn greenies. So the next thing, of course, as they've as they've now successfully taxed one of the four elements of life, being sunlight, water, oxygen, and carbon dioxide, uh, is uh, you're going to be taxed on how much you speak. It could be. We're, so we're toast. You only you can have, me. yeah. <laughs> Particularly, well, we get double tax because what comes out of our mouth is bullshit, which is also, of course, harmful to the environment. So. Methane. <laughs> it's, it's lethal methane emitting from their orifices. Hmm. All right, you ready for Lehman Brothers? Is that bottom there yet, John? You sure? You think, you think there's a bottom here? Yeah, we're bouncing around it. I can feel it. <laughs> Dude, it's Lehman, it's Washington Mutual, it's Merrill Lynch, and uh, this morning, I don't know if you read the papers yet, uh, the, um, so first the, uh, the Congressional uh, Budget, um, what is it, Office, I think, or Oversight, um, this Nuttle guy, or whatever, Nussle, whatever his name is, he said, uh, oh, I think uh, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac should be on the books of the U.S. government, and uh, boy, that got turned around. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Someone held a gun to his head. Said, uh, "I don't think you'd really want to say that, dude." So, n- <laughs> so now he's uh, he's pulled back. 
It's uh, funny. Yeah, yeah this guy is a to- total, uh, total reptilian. He's an insider. He used to work at the Treasury. Um, his wife is uh, connected. I'm looking for his name. But it's uh, that, that's uh, that's a pretty big deal. Here it is. Uh, what's his name? Jim Nussel, director of the White House Office of Management and Budget. Yeah, these guys should uh, be told not to talk to anybody ever. So the way, so, well, that's kind of his job. Oh, but the way I, I understand mean, it is doesn't uh, mean he has to do it. That's true. The way I understand it is that the um, uh, the Treasury is, is now, of course, they're doing another weekend deal, and uh, Paulson has said, "No way, we're not going to bail them out." Lehman has the same uh, debt window, you know, the discount window facility. So, you know, you guys, uh, you other bankers, let's uh, go figure it out. We split it up into pieces, and no one wants to do it. Which means to me that this just either there's no value left in the company or it's too damn difficult to actually figure out what the value is. You know, it was weird. The guy, there's like some guy who came out with a book on this and, uh, on Lehman going or Lehman, whatever you want to call him going under about, I don't know, it was about five or three or four or five months ago. And he was, they was on CNBC being grilled by that morning crew. Uh, how and they that? were just a, and the guy was pretty, he says, here's the questions that need to be answered. And he was talking about some things that were on the books that had no explanation. And he says, and I, I've talked to the company directly and they've never answered these questions and blah, blah, blah. And these guys were just kind of like grilling him as though, you know, this can't possibly be true. And I was kind of, kind of stunned by, although I was not totally stunned, but there's, there's all, there's still this, this wishful thinking in the, uh, in the community out there, uh, the people who, who cover this, topic for the public you know on, on cnbc or wherever they are mm-hmm. uh and and this includes the thing about the oil manipulation that we documented to death and um the fact that it was you know this illegal essentially speculation done tra- oh, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a front, that's just a cover that's that's not the real that's not what's really happening john it's it's being manipulated but the whole trader thing is just a front i'm convinced of it now but anyway I digress yeah and well you digressed into the into the sea what are you talking about <laughs> this is being this is not being this is now don't tell me that you think it's space aliens only if you make my if you give me my theme tune <laughs> no, this is the IMF and the World Bank. They're manipulating it. They know they know exactly what they're doing, and they're doing it. To, and they're successful at it because they're bankrupting the Middle East. Uh, look at what's happened with Russia. A um, uh, big part of it, of course, is because of um, the Georgia conflict. Um, you know, people are going belly up there. Uh, uh, oil companies freaking out. I, th- I, th- I think this is completely uh, orchestrated. And at the same time, what what is everyone calling for? What what are the Republicans calling for? Drill, baby, drill. Well, orchestrated to what end? It's a financial orchestration. For to what end? To to bankrupt the Middle East, you said. Yeah, to bankrupt the Middle East, to to, to bankrupt Russia. To bank, to get rid of the, I think the whole financials, I think the plan was, honestly, now that I look at it, the plan was probably to destroy the whole system to start off with. The whole system? The whole financial system. And oil is tied right into that. It's, it's, it's money. To what end? 
to what end? To um, yeah, yeah. Well, to uh, kill people. <laughs> I mean, to what end? I mean, there's got to be a to goal. Get, to, yes, the goal is to kill people to reduce the population. Why? Or to reduce the population? Yes. Uh, is this where you're going with this? That's that's certainly a direction I'm starting to look. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Right. Well, you I, know. I'm not quite. I'm not quite ready to expand on it, but uh, well, mull it over. It's it's all a part of the same thing. It's the same thing with the vaccinations. So how there comes the letters. <laughs> That's so, why I mentioned uh, it. <laughs> so uh, so what have you been drinking recently? No man, nothing at all. I've been smoking. Have, no, I haven't been smoking either. I'm well, com- maybe I'm that's com- the problem. No, no, I'm completely clear-headed. Completely. So you're not drinking tea? You're not uh, oh, no, doing I, anything? Actually, today I have, um, I decided to change, and I'm drinking coffee for the show. Oh, God. Mm. It's, uh, well... You're not a coffee personality. You want to laugh? Of course okay. you do. Um, so, actually, I decided to try out some of the uh, freeze-dried coffee that I bought, which I've, st- which I've stocked up on with a number of other... Uh, Essential life-saving ingredients for when the food crisis hits Britain. Um, so I can make all kinds of stuff here at home. And I figured I'd try some, see how it tastes. And it's not bad. You're drinking instant coffee? Freeze-dried, yep. <laughs> it's all freeze-dried nowadays, I think. There must be some old evaporative coffees left. Um, huh. Oh, dude, here's the big news from over here. Did you hear about the tunnel fire? Yeah, I heard about that. That did get in. In fact, we blogged it. That was pretty severe. Um, yeah, I guess it closed down the, the whole the one side of the tunnel, the tra- the uh, transport side. Yeah, for uh, for it's now going on three days. I mean, this thing burned for like nine hours, a thousand degrees centigrade. And what's interesting to me, John, is not one single newspaper. And I just went to the newspaper stand to pick up my uh, my Financial Times Weekly or Weekend. Uh, not one single newspaper. Even hinted of terrorism, even though there were explosions, there was fires, all kinds of shit going on. How come no one talks about that? How, you know, what is up with that? Um, you know, there was some mention of it in the in our side of the. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, not over But it here. wasn't like played up much. I mean, they, I mean, Bush didn't come out or anything. I mean, it was just kind of in passing, and they decided it wasn't. What what, what was the final determination? Of what caused this fire? They still have not been able to uh, explain that. But they did. There was there were all kinds of chemicals, toxic, really toxic shit. Um, uh, could probably find. I actually, looked it up. I forgot the name of it. Phenol. That's what it was. Phenol. Phenol. Yeah, phenol. Nasty that's, stuff. That's very nasty stuff. So there was a tanker full of phenol, and, the, and that <laughs> went up. Yeah, stuff. They shouldn't allow that in the channel. Well, they this, can well, make phenol on the on the on the continent. They don't need this ship. Was right. it coming from? The, where was it coming from? Uh, well, I guess it was coming from the UK, but it's very easy to make. I understand. Yeah, phenol is just it's a like a byproduct. It's a common, uh, uh, commonly used uh, chemical in the industrial uh, in chemical production of all kinds of things. Plastics and yeah. you know, drugs and everything else. Yeah, they also used to, used inject, to work with it inject that into a... people in World War II and kill them. According to I used to work with this stuff in uh, Union Oil. It's very interesting. One of the things about it is you. Uh, it's like a lot of these other chemicals. You, anyone who's been a professional chemist for any sh- period of time realizes they all do this. It's, especially when you're working with some of these these toxic materials, you you you're sniffing yourself constantly because yeah. the stuff splashes. You get like little micro micro droplets on yourself. 
Yeah. And, um, and you'll, you'll, You'll sniff your your hand. You'll just be sniffing away all over your hand just to see if you because you can spot a micro droplet of phenol if it lands on you because it starts to burn burn into your flesh. Uh, Well, it does a little bit. I mean, (laughs) just a little. It it, it, it does, but you can smell it. It has this very distinctive odor. It's actually quasi pleasant, and um, then you just wash it off, or you put some, you know, some uh, something to counteract it just to change its structure but you'd get you know you do that but phenol is the problem with phenols it turns into apparently when it is absorbed through the skin this is from years ago i can't even remember the details but it's absorbed into the skin is the problem if you get it on you uh, and it is slightly corrosive but it gets on your gets into your system and then it turns it goes through the liver and kidneys and turns into benzene which is very really a bad thing to have in inside you and it's a carcinogenic. <laughs> so I'm told. <laughs> I'm reliably informed. So uh, I don't know, but yeah, I'm looking at, uh, at the most recent article, see if they have any news on uh, on what caused it. But some of the eyewitness accounts were that there were multiple explosions. Uh, here today it says temperatures reached as high as 1,000 degrees Celsius, according to the French Interior Minister. Was, hmm. It's interesting because I don't see why you'd get exploded unless you're getting some kind of weird reactions. I mean, what kind of chemicals were they carrying in these tankers? Because phenol is not explosive, you know, per se. Yeah, I'll have to. Uh, I'll have to look. That was in uh, yesterday's paper, I think. So apparently, they they said it was going to resume this morning. I haven't heard any news reports that it actually did resume yet. Uh, but I saw all the all the lorries, as we call them, all lined up, and I'm like, oh man, that could disrupt the spl- uh, supplies. Well, you know, it, it seems to me that if it was terrorism, they would have made a big deal about it. Or maybe it was actually, you know, like a real honest uh, mistake and something went wrong and it wasn't one of those planned false flag operations that they usually uh, uh, dish out. <laughs> and they didn't have time to get to the press office for this one. <laughs> you know, that, that most of your stuff is pretty wacky, but that one <laughs> that's I'm out there, right? Gonna, <laughs> I mean, that was all, that's within the range of, well, you know, it's possible. Well, let's talk for a second about the liquid bombers on airplanes then. Another huge news story this week in the United Kingdom. I hope that trickled over to uh, no, Gitmo no, Nation I didn't West. Hear this one. You're no, kidding no, no. me. Oh, my goodness. More liquid bombers? No, this they is... They must be sick of these guys bringing in all no, these little no, bottles no. of liquid. You're going to love this. So, they convicted... Out of the seven guys, the ringleader they had to let go. He, you know, they couldn't convict him of anything. They can, they could only convict three of these guys. Um, and from the documents, it's now uh, apparent that they had not built a single bomb. Uh, most of them did not have passports. They certainly had not booked any tickets. And the jury said we cannot convict them of even plotting to blow up airplanes. By carrying liquids and onto the aircraft and mixing them on board, so they were convicted of um, conspiring murderous action. And these guys, <laughs> these guys themselves say, "Well, we just wanted to, you know, make a little bang somewhere in London to get attention for some kind of documentary they were making or something." Uh, which is why you know they had this high quality jihadist videos. Of course, I can't understand what they're saying, but I'm told that they're jihadist videos. So they, you know, so these guys were making it like a movie or a documentary, and they were clearly twisted. But they were not, according to the jury, not contemplating blowing up airplanes with liquid bombs. So Virgin Atlantic is the first one. I love these guys. The first ones who come out and say, "Okay, great, that's fantastic." 
Now that that's all settled, can we please stop the ridiculous fucking bullshit of no more than 100 milliliters of liquid being carried onto the plane? And you know what the response was from the government or from the court? Uh, we got to retry these guys. <laughs> they literally, they're going to retry them. I mean, the double jeopardy is already gone here. It's like, oh, okay, you were convicted, you're guilty, but not of that. Well, we got to go back again. I'm sorry. And well, four, of these, could, four of these guys were let let go, free, not convicted. They could probably trump up some new charges. I mean, the great thing about today's legal system is that if you, the double jeopardy thing has always been a craw or a craw. It's a, 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 a stone in the craw. I can't remember the phrase. It's always gotten these a thorn in the side. It's a thorn in the side, there we go, of these prosecutors. And so they, you, you make the law so complicated that if you can't, okay, you're, you're out on law, you know, sections, this is this, but there's section this, this, and this. We're going to refile with a different, you know, charge. You know, like the one you said they got convicted of planning murderous acts or yeah. talking badly about the, I don't know. I Exhaling mean, CO2, you dirty bastards. So I mean, there's essentially there's there's an limitless number of laws that you can be prosecuted under, under if somebody's out to get you, uh, and you know, or, or to make a point. Now there's there must be some other reason to keep these liquids off of planes. I can think of one. I've traveled with people who overpack and bring entire bottles of shampoo that are like this huge bottle of some shampoo you get on sale at Costco that's got a pump at the top and they pack it with their suitcase and luggage and they go to you know to Europe for three days with this big giant bottle of shampoo or whatever it is I mean there's I think anything to encourage people to travel lightly, charge them for extra bags. I'm all for it. Charge them for extra bags, keep the liquids off the planes. It's mostly to keep people from overpacking. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> all right. I see it a little bit differently. Well, just, would. just a little bit. No, I'm, I'm, you know, and it's weird because you think to yourself, well, you know, great. They can actually, you know, so it wasn't a threat. Uh, the scientists are on record now in, in, uh, you know, mainstream newspapers saying, look, it's just really not that easy to go mix up something powerful enough on an airplane with multiple, uh, elements. Um, and then you think to yourself, well, great. Now, so they can just remove all that, those stupid restrictions. And in the well, back, yeah. of, but in the back of your mind, you've got something going like, well, shit, you know, maybe uh, we, we've, even I've been conditioned at this point. Yeah, well, you know, yeah, well, everybody has. I mean, that's the idea. We're just a bunch of robots. But, you know, the funny thing, the joke of this is, is you can make a pretty damn good explosive with three ounces of, I can name a couple of chemicals hmm. that are liquid uh, that would blow the back of the plane off. I mean, it's just, so the whole thing is bull. Yeah, I mean, well, of course it's all bull. I, I still love uh, Heathrow Airport where you, where you go through x-ray and then you go through an, a passport exit where they were basically some monkeys sitting there just comparing the name on your passport to the name on your ticket but they look all official and scary and shit well now they're holding it up too which cracks me yeah up. yeah yeah let, let me hold that up to the light for a second here and let, let me just compare <laughs> oh yes oh could you please take off your glasses uh, now whatever and then they've got they've also got this at least in the states here they've got this little now they've all of a sudden they all have this little blue light of some sort and then they <laughs> scan it over your driver's <laughs> license looking for the code on there i don't yeah. know what the hell they're doing and then you're supposed to walk straight into this, uh, into a fishnet-like trap where there's another X-ray machine, but that's only for shoes. And I've made it a sport. 
and I get away with it every single time. You know, so there's someone there who's supposed to corral these eight lines of uh, passport exit uh, stands into the shoe x-ray line. Now, right off to the right-hand side is a, um, a bureau de chance uh, where you can, you know, exchange money. And so either I'll walk straight that way and then pretend that I'm looking at the exchange rates and then just walk through. Or if they're looking at me, I'll fumble around with my bag or, you know, with my with my passport or whatever. And I'll just wait until they're not looking. And then I just walk right past. It's total horseshit. Totally. I don't know what you, we don't have. I don't know now. What is this again? You have a se- separate thing at the end because we yeah. our shoes are taken off. I know. No, no, they, no, 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 no. They decided this is very British, of course, because now where this is at Heathrow. Yes, the taking okay. off uh, terminal one or two. Okay. The, the taking off of the shoes is, of course, a big pain in the ass because there's really no place. There's no infrastructure in Heathrow, which is shambles anyway. Um, to, to put your shoes back on. So what they do is you go through the regular x-ray. Interestingly enough, you don't have to take your laptop out of your bag at Heathrow just to show you the inconsistency. Um, and then they have a separate x-ray where you take off your shoes, put your shoes through the x-ray, and then they have little seats there so you can sit down and put your shoes back on. So it's they're trying to do it to make it more comfortable for you. Huh. By the way, that's the guy that we should go find and beat up, which is that shoe bomber. Really? Uh, well, we should stop Richard with that Washington. shit, too. That's just outrageous. It's stupid, I know. But the fact is, the guy who triggered it, I think we should, when these guys trigger these things, and I would include those those liquid bomber guys, I think they should be put in stocks in a public <laughs> yeah, <right>. place. <coughs> there you I go. think there should be like an area, there should be a, since they're, you know, they're public in this shaming. Kind of anyway. Yeah. There should be a. An area where you can't get right up to him and punch him, but you can throw <laughs> things at him. Public shaming, I'm all for it. Yep. I've also always said that I'm all for executions being aired on prime time in the United you States. You and me both. But, yep. you know, I think, I mean, I th- I've thought about this, and I think a lot of people have, but everyone, oh, it's too sick. Yeah. Yeah. No, right. Duh. Right. <laughs> that's, totally that's sick. That's the point. Do you think it might be some bit of a deterrent? Do you think it might work? You know, we show everything else. We show all the trials. We show, you know, well, we don't even show dead military personnel anymore. But, you know, we show all the gore and horror. But when we actually put, you know, a uh, some 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 law into effect, we're too pussy to show it on television. In fact, I'd be more than happy to produce that show. It's a great reality show. It's called On Death Row. And, the, and you know how it ends. Each episode ends the same way. You know, the thing is, that that's the interesting thing here, is that it, the people have, there's a pro and, and con when it comes to, like, the death penalty, and everybody who's against it says, you know, it's deterrent, it's not a deterrent, it's not a deterrent. And you, and the fact of the matter is, it's not a deterrent because nobody sees it. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, it's just a theoretical thing, you know, it's like, oh, it's a death penalty, okay, the guy was executed, remember how, a few protesters out front. And Remember how shocked we all were at the, uh, I was thinking about this just the other day, about the Saddam Hussein hanging video? Yeah. But you know what? There's a lot, there's a lot of young kids who are going, shit, man, I ain't going to become Saddam Hussein. That fucking blows. I think, I think, and by the way, I'm against corporal punishment, just so I can corporal? stop. Uh, corporate. <laughs> corporate? Capital. Corporal? Corporate? Cap- what kind of punishment are you against? Capital punishment. Oh, there we go. But corporal punishment's okay. Corporal. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I'm totally against taking a life for any reason whatsoever. But since we're doing this stupidity, maybe we'd get a different idea if we actually showed what that entails. When you see people who are flopping around when one injection isn't enough, 
You know, show that. Go ahead, show it. Show what it really means to kill a human being. The electric chair would be the one to go oh, exactly. with. Exactly. Show that with their eyes popping out of but their actually, sockets. But actually, you know, I think the guillotine might be interesting, too. Hell in a handbasket. There you go. That's the name of the show. To Hell in a Handbasket. A new reality show this season on Fox. It would be hot. People would, <laughs> although you'd be, I don't know, you know, it'd be interesting to see just it, as an, exp, as a sociological experiment, I wonder what kind of ratings it would get. Would, would the family sit around and watch it and make the kids watch? It would be through the roof. Through the roof. And it just amazes me. That, um, I got hooked into watching a whole bunch of videos from TMZ.com. Uh, yesterday, Patricia's uh, recording another show in Holland, so you know there's no one to talk to, and my daughter's, oh, you know, she's 18, she doesn't give a shit about me. And um, oh, poor Adam's home alone. That's right, just me and my gold. And so I'm, <laughs> so I'm sitting here, my my Krugerans. <laughs> so I'm uh, I'm sitting around and I'm watching these videos. And have you ever watched this TMZ stuff? It's it's really amazing because here are people who are so brash and so mean and uh, and you know these paparazzi they and it's paparazzi is a big word it's just you know idiots with a with a video camera and they'll they'll stick this camera in a celebrity's face and ask all these horrible questions you know just just egging them on to either you know grab the camera or or say something that then of course will be you know headline news and that's what these guys want because then they get to sell their video all over the world or their photos or whatever and there's there's so many of these people attacking these celebrities and deliberties, but not not one of them has the fucking courage to do it to like a politician, you know, and really hound a politician and ask him the really tough questions. We, we, it's it's just outrageous to see that the we've got the people with the equipment, we've got the people who do the research. Okay, it's research on Lindsay Lohan. But they're doing the research. Why can't we get them to do that about real things that matter, real news? Well, I think the politicians would. There would be a backlash. I think they'd, they'd pass legislation to screw these guys. They'd be out of business. They well, don't want that. Well, that legislation would be interesting to see. At least it would be honest. No, well, it's something. So I'm never expecting to see what you're, you're describing, which would be good. I mean, that's the, what should be happening. I mean, they, I mean, Reese, of course, you know, the thing going on here is still the never-ending hounding of Sarah, Sarah Palin. Sarah Palin, yeah. No, I've been following that. It's the same over here. They all, all the news media just copy and paste whatever's coming over the wire. And so, but what's weird is you listen to the two sides, like uh, you listen to Rush Limbaugh's interpretation of what's going on, and then you listen to uh, Bill Maher, his interpretation. So you have the, the extreme, you know, the right wing and the left wing, both, you know, talking about, you know, both, it's almost like the guy's describing the elephant, you know, I mean, it's unbelievable. <laughs> Everybody sees things totally differently. And the fact is, though, um, I think they're overdoing the uh, the bashing because it's unwarranted and it's actually making the Democrats Looks look like dumb. extremely mean spirited, mean, evil people, and they don't seem to get that. And when they and when it's pointed out to them, they say, "Well, maybe that's the way it has to be. We should be we should go more on the offensive. We should be more like the more like the Carl Rovians, you know, and yeah. be you know and be attack dogs and go out and be uh, negative, go negative, go negative." And they're going to do that. I think just this campaign is going to go extremely negative and it's going to be hilarious i think it's just going to be a laugh riot it's going to be fantastic well it is the greatest show on earth and that's all that it is these people who are up for election won't actually run anything they're just actors 
the best one, the best president we had was an actor. Um, and that's what people miss. You know, this is, it's, it's all about the show. And it's, or, it's, it's, or, it's no different than managing Amy Winehouse. You know, exactly. it's like, no, 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 no press. No, we have a press stop. We're not going to, you can't talk to Amy. And then, you know, it's like, then we'll, okay, let's go on, uh, Good Morning America, Charles Gibson. He's in our pocket. We got him. And he'll ask really easy questions. And he'll ask the tough questions in a rehearsed way. It's, it's, it's show business. I keep saying it. Show business, or politics is show business for ugly people. And in this case, you know, they're even learning that because Sarah Palin is not ugly. No, she's she's. I think she's fine looking. My wife doesn't think much of her. Um, anyway, so the so the Sarah Palin thing is continuing. So what we have to do. Somebody wrote in and said. And by the way, I want to. Somebody mentioned to me that we should mention the lipstick on the pig thing, which everybody, which is another phony baloney deal going on. Where you know Obama said it's like lipstick on a pig, which is a which to most of the Republicans was a callback to the convention because Sarah Palin had this joke that right. involved it, lipstick. Yeah, they, they, but meanwhile, they, you know, so they said they no, said, no, it's just an accent. People say lipstick on a pig all the time, and John McCain said it five years ago. And here's that, you know, blah blah blah. I'm thinking, it was really clear. It was very clear what what Obama. Well, here's what he made that. it clear that nobody talks about. This is why I thought it was totally clear. He goes from the lipstick on the pig reference, which was just an insult, to uh, talking about fish. And how fish stinks. You put the fish, it's like, it's like stinky fish, oh, which is that. a female reference that's to, to used a, by the lower classes for an commonly. Unclean vagina. It's extremely insulting. And nobody, and it was the follow up to lipstick on a pig. Really? There's no doubt in my mind really? what this was intended to, to, to indicate. Well, when I heard lipstick on a pig, I was shocked. I was literally shocked because I knew immediately because I had seen that bit where Sarah Palin says, you know, the only difference between a, What'd she say? Uh, Pitbull pit, pit, pit pit and, and a hockey mom is lipstick. Uh, uh, yeah. So it was really clear. And I was just like, wow, man, you, you're calling a woman a pig? That's a, <laughs> that, that's a big deal. And then I thought back to our conversation from last week where you said the Democratic Party in general is ageist and sexist. And I'm like, there it is. Fucking ageist and sexist. Yeah, totally ageist and sexist. But anyway, the follow-up stuff about the fish, all the fish references, to yeah, me, was even nasty. more insulting. But nobody wanted to touch that one because, for one thing, it became obvious. And the second thing was it was extremely insulting to even bring it up in the conversation. Yeah. But I thought the whole thing was very referential and do, deferential do you, do you have and the, referential. Uh, do you have the exact quote that he used? Was it Obama yeah. who said that? Yeah, Obama. He goes. He goes on and on about lipstick on a pig, and then he goes on and on about it's like it's like having dead fish, stinky dead fish in a in a newspaper. It just stinks. And he went on and on and on about the fish. And it was right after I saw the whole thing. He was in a library someplace discussing this, and you know it was all rehearsed. And uh, he got huge laughs from this audience. And I mean, there were as soon as he said lipstick on a pig, they're all you know they're all snorkeling. It's funny. Really? And they had all these kind of nerdy little um, dweebs. And so it was obvious what was going on. And then now, then it went into the denial thing, by the way, which I uh, always get a kick out of this. It's, it reminds me of what used to be a professional wrestling, <laughs> where somebody would come out. They don't do this anymore. And I'm always shocked by this. But, you know, the wrestler would go beat the crap out of some guy and then he'd somehow turn around and the guy'd beg him. He'd beg, no, 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 don't hurt me. I'm, I'm, don't hurt me. And he'd be on his knees begging. And then as the guy said, okay, I won't hurt you. They boom, he gives him one. Yeah. You right, know, that right, is right, an right, old. Right. 
They don't do that anymore. There's none of the begging. There's no more begging. But anyway, Obama goes into this. Oh no, it was just a mistake. Oh, you're kidding. Oh, I didn't mean that. You, you're, 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 you're the one that's got the dirty mind, which is another trick that comedians use, which is you make a, a, a lewd reference and then you act so shocked when exactly. everybody notices it. Exactly. Let's see. Maybe this is. Uh, maybe this is the one. I, was, I just want to see if I could find that actually that uh, that quote. Let's see what this is. Say a few words about the latest made-up controversy. Oh, no, that's, that's not it. No, this is his reaction to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, no. You have to get the original. That's what I'm looking which for. Which predates that. Yeah. By yeah. the way, when he goes into the made-up controversy... <laughs> by the way, I'm getting tired of this guy's cadence. Yeah. I mean, he was on uh, uh, Letterman. Uh, I saw a yeah, couple clips was, from Letterman. How was he? He was, was he good? funny. Yeah, yeah, he was outstanding. He's a really smooth guy, and I. But he still got the the cadence when he's giving his speeches. He's actually more. He's a. He's kind of. He's got a good personality. He's funny. Mm -hmm. He's not a. He's not a joke maker, but he's got. A, seems to have a sense of humor, and. Uh, but the cadence, this this haughty cadence, which is actually sounds a lot like John Kerry, I think is going to wear thin. And, you know, the more they put him on the air, because he just talks like a guy who's you know talking down to you. Here it comes. But Here anyway, comes. Well, let's just list this for a second. John McCain says he's about change too. Except, and and so I guess his whole angle is watch out, George Bush. Except for economic policy, health care policy. Tax policy, education policy, foreign policy, and Karl Rove-style politics, we're really going to shake things up in Washington. That's not change. That's, that's just calling some the same thing something different. But, you know, you can, you know, you, you can put uh, lipstick on a pig. It's still a pig. Ah, shit. The fish thing isn't on here. Ah, I'll look for it later. Yeah, well, it follows up with the fish stuff. Yeah, I'm sure it does. Which they everybody cut that out. But that's what, to me, was the... I mean, that was the confirmation. Well, was that, was that also an Alaska reference, I guess? What, the fish? Yeah. I don't know. No, the fish is a reference to, uh, well... I mean, it's a, it's, it's a reference to vaginal secretions, to be honest about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it, it's a, uh, and it's something that you wouldn't, I mean, it's, at first he gets the big, we got the big laugh with, uh, with the lipstick on a pig comment in such a way that it was obviously a callback to Sarah Palin. Right. And her mention of lipstick. And then when he started pounding the fish stuff, then I'm thinking, you know, this is ridiculous. This is going to get slaughtered for this. And indeed, the next day, you know, or actually that day, the right wing guys are all over it, and the left wingers are all snickering. Right. Oh no, no, no! You guys are just sick to think that. <laughs> but the, nobody again on either side brought up all this fish malarkey. I was. I don't know. I think they're these guys are going in the wrong direction. In fact, it's already been discussed that you know the youth is would be the group that puts these guys over uh you know the young voters who never vote because they think everything's a crock of crap for you know obvious reasons and and obama came out as the, you know the non-politician politician 
competition. And so he was going to be you know, above it all, and he was going to do this above it all. And, and meanwhile, this mean-spirited Democratic base you know, that shows up on the Bill Maher show last night, he had Janine Garofalo on, and she's about as oh, crazy she's, as they come. She's a, a massive tr- uh, truther. Oh, is she a massive truth? Oh, yeah, big time. Yeah, big time. That that never came out. But anyway, she she just hates the Republicans to an extreme. She said they should all be arrested. I mean, even though she's supposedly just kidding. But anyway, so they, 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 they these guys are like so mean spirited that they're like making Obama do stuff that's you know going in this direction of being snide and and you know not being above the fray, but being just part of it. And it, it's going to turn off the youth voters who are going to say, yeah, you know, yeah, he can. I hope he wins. But I, I got other things to do. I'm not going to vote. And they're going to lose the election because of this kind of thing if they don't get back on their original track, which was winning. They were winning big with the original track, you know, just because they take a few. Some people take a few shots at him, like Giuliani at the convention. He had some great. He, the guy was doing a stand-up routine. It was the funniest thing I've ever seen. The guy was great. He could have yeah. could have been a politician. Well, but you know, what, you know what it is, John. What what happened is it's it's the whole celebrity thing. You know, Obama was built up um and, and it just like a good example is amy winehouse um you know you see this great great persona you hear this great voice you know the song everything's fit together because it's an illusion right you don't actually know that she's that she's human and you never when you when you this is the old school hollywood system you know you you protect your stars and you micromanage everything and you never ever let the human side come out unless it's completely orchestrated. So this is not Obama's personal, um, his personal opinion. It's not his words. I mean, all this shit is, is written for him and made up for him. But, but that's not how the, you can't do that in the celebrity culture that we live in today when you use that celebrity culture to actually build the guy up because that's what happened. Well, yeah, no, that is what happened. I mean, he was built up as a celebrity, and that's one of the things that they threw back in his face with those early ads, which may or may not have been effective. I think but so. They did. Well, I don't know if they were effective or not, but I know that they did. Eff- they they were they weren't necessarily effective in terms of like changing anybody's mind, but I think they they affected with an A the the the. the the pers- or the pers- the basic perceptions that the Democrats had of themselves, they found it's very offensive because they were you know kind of playing a celebrity game and then they were busted for it, and then the next thing you know they're like well you know this is a cheap shot and you know and then they you know they the, all of a sudden the Paris Hilton video comes out which was actually yeah. the best thing to come that out of it right yeah and uh, it, just the whole thing is being twisted and I think it's like the Republicans. The Republicans started out, there's no reason the Republicans should win this election. I mean, under any circumstances. I mean, under any normal circumstances, you have a president that can't even show up at his own convention, yeah. a vice president that doesn't even have a videotape for their own convention. I mean, he doesn't, he's not even being mentioned. He was off you in Georgia. Yeah, you have an unpopular situation, but then again, the the problem the Democrats really have is that their their crappy Congress that was put in office, you know, just two years ago, was promising all this stuff. They did delivered absolutely nothing, which gave the Republicans a, the possibility of getting in again because the Democrats are are as do nothing as you can be. But meanwhile, they create this. This guy, Obama, from uh, an earlier speech in 2004 when he gave that great speech, the speech. Mm. 
and they create this, you know, and they, and they get the thing fine-tuned and fine-honed, and it's like the guy can't lose, and everybody just thinks he's a shoe-in based on the earlier build-up, and then the Republicans just take a, poke a few, you know, just take a needle them a little bit, and the whole thing falls apart. Yep. Then they, they totally, obli- with the Sarah Palin pick, they just obliterated Obama's uh, huge uh, appearance, his, uh, his concert. Yeah, no, they did a good job of killing the concert with that, and then they uh, they also she became the the target for all this out and out hatred uh, of both women and you know her and the fact that she's only been a governor for two years and it's a small state, you know. And the press, they, 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 the they press like were the, all they, pissed they, off because they didn't get to vet her. Well, you know, if the press was doing its job, because I think it was either on this show or another show, I'm going to have somebody find this reference. I referenced her in May when they first, when she first came up in the conversation. She was mentioned as one of the possible choices, and they that's when the, the vetting began with the Republican Party, which was in May, which was a f- number of months back. But she was never put on any of the on any of the lists that the press came out with, yeah. even though these weren't official lists by the Republicans. They were just making it up as they go along, and then they got irked by the fact that the whole thing came out apparently. To them, came out of left field when it actually didn't. I just got to write this down. September thirteenth, John suggests the press might not have been doing their job. Interesting, <laughs> interesting little little note there. <laughs> hey, let, let's let's riff on McCain for a second because that video that came out blew me away. Which the one, one? The one? The well, the one that everyone's been talking about. The one um, of him the- being released. Oh uh, yeah, the Swedish video. We have it on the blog dvorak.org slash blog. Have a drink. Right. So here's uh, McCain. And, uh, you know, and I, only when I saw your blog post that I realized that, you know, the story had been that he came out on crutches. And this was him actually leaving, not entering the States, but leaving um, uh, Vietnam. Right. But the thing that, that I saw that, that took me immediately was he saluted the guy with a high salute. And these days he can't put his arm up above his shoulder level. He can't put put his arm up, but he can still salute though, because his, if you look where the elbow is positioned, you don't necessarily have to have it straight up to get us to make a salute work. Mm. Anyway, interesting video just in general, man, about his well, background. But not you mentioned that he they they I remember hearing a couple of comments. I mean, you don't need to raise your uh, arm up into the air to salute. You can salute with your actually you could do it with a tuck. If you you know wanted to look like Benny well, Hill, it it, it 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 looked high enough for me to actually go compare. And you know he's he's much older now, obviously, and it's not really that important because shit, the guy was right. really in a in a in a prison camp. You know, it's like right. Well, he's obviously when you when you see him today, he you can see that he can't. His arms have limited mobility, and I don't think he's faking that. It could have been a, a progressive thing that just deteriorated over time because, you know, there was so much ligament damage or who knows what. But, yeah, he did have a salute. Uh, he was limping severely, so yeah. I could see the crutches thing actually happening. Yeah. But the thing that keeps coming up, because I, you know, I, you don't need to lift your arm way up in the air to make a salute. You just need to be able to bend your elbow. And, and But they keep referencing the fact that poor John McCain can't salute the flag, and I'm not sure that's true. No, no, no. I'm, I'm trying it right now. Obviously, you can salute. You can salute without bringing your arm all. I don't know if it's an official salute. Well, but, you could do, uh, yeah. But the, but but the other pieces of, of history. Not, that, not obviously a perfect Marine salute with the 90 degrees and all the rest no, of it. Right, right. 
the uh, what was interesting to me is other information that I didn't know about John McCain. Uh, so, for instance, his wife, um, when he came back, he was already married, I guess, when he went off to, to Vietnam and he came back and uh, and his wife had been in a really horrible car accident. She had had like 13 or 14 operations and it, uh, it really messed with her. And, well, he left her and he left her for um, Cindy, who um, subsequently was on... Uh, all kinds of drugs, like, uh, was it Vicodin, per Percocet, whatever, for three years. And she was completely, completely drugged. She was actually, she had a, she had a, um, a, bene a foundation that would bring drugs to, uh, poor nations. And she was actually getting the drugs from her own foundation. Oh. That's interesting. I mean, I you know, she looks, she has a certain look of of like an ex. She, I hate to say this because I don't think she's a totally an unattractive woman by any means. And she's thin and she looks rich and she has a lot of style and she's a, very involved in these foundations. But she has the kind of a look of a of a woman that may have gone through something like that. Yeah, uh, apparently it has left some permanent damage, uh, particularly memory damage. So she she can't remember things from like two weeks ago. Short term memory is difficult, and these by her own admission. Hmm. Um, you know, so while they're digging up all this shit on Sarah Palin, you know, there's a lot more shit. There's plenty for the Obama camp to do. That's for sure. Yeah, well, I'm sure they're going to go after her, but they have to, you know, I know they have, have to have meetings because stuff like that is pretty hypersensitive, especially it's like, can we go after, here's a, you know, you got to, the guy's got us, he's immediately got protection or insurance based on this uh, being five years in a prisoner of war camp. And then, you know, you do you go after some woman who ha had a drug problem, even though she's, if you looked at her bio that they ran at the convention, it's like, oh, my God, how does this woman have any time? Yeah. She, you know, she made her pale and look like she was a lazy fat. So sitting around <laughs> eating bonbons in terms of the amount of stuff that she had going on. I mean, she was just like she's got this going on and that going on. They, you know, have 20 kids and they adopted a, you know, a, a African child. And it went, I mean, just the whole family is enormous. So he has a football team when he brought him out. And uh <laughs> So what are you going to do? I mean, how do you attack that without looking like an idiot? The nutty thing is, John, is I hope our listeners realize how much of a banana republic the United States is when just just that this is the actual conversation that this is what it's about. You know, while you know about stinky fish and and lipstick on pigs and uh, lack of experience and all this stuff. While you know we're basically about you know we're in a cold war with Russia. You know, we've got a stagflation and on the brink of disaster financially. And this is the shit we're, t even we're talking about it. What's wrong with us? Well, you know, <laughs> what is, what's wrong with us? We should be talking about Lehman Brothers. Yeah. So, um. I can talk the, about Lehman Brothers. I can tell you about, it. we walked, to, you know, Ron and I, we, um, our first company, Think No Ideas. So we were, we want, we were, we had an option to take that public and Lehman Brothers courted us for, um, oh man, months. I think it was four or five months. And, you know, that's a really difficult process. And it really drains on any company to, you know, just to get that going. It was just, it just, you know, it went around in circles. And then, uh, I can just remember the meeting. We said, Hey, you know what? Screw you guys. We're not, and we're, we're leaving. And we literally walked out and they came running down the street after us. And, uh, but we, we wound up going with some like brown shoe firm with a huge $12 million raise. It was a little bit before the dot com boom. Uh, but uh, Lehman Brothers, yeah, it's it's an interesting interesting to to work with a company like that on on something of that magnitude, even though for them it was really small because it's uh, essentially you know the, 
the only thing they're doing from the minute you walk in the door is they're looking for reasons not to do it because it could, you know, screw up their career. There's no other, they don't give a shit about if you're going to be successful or not. They just want to guide the IPO. Did you think there were sleazeballs? No. No. And they were nice. You know, they had every meeting, they had the bagels and the fruit. You know, that was nice. Hmm. Um, well, they're toast now. They certainly are. 150. This is one of the big ones, though. This, these, these are like one of the, these are serious players, these guys. Yeah. Yeah, it's a disaster. I mean, the Bear Stearns thing was like, you know, spit in the bucket. I mean, they got out smelling like a rose somehow by doing it early. If you're going to fail, fail early. Fail, be first to fail. <laughs> because after a while, they start saying, hey, wait a minute. This is, we've seen too much of this. You guys can just, you know, sink to the bottom for all we care because people, you know, the government and everybody else gets sick of it. And, you know, you want to go out early, not late. Well, and I come, I come back to it's my like original. like losing the last game in a football season. <laughs> I come back to my original statement, which is, you know, knowing how Wall Street operates and many banks were my clients in our previous company. Um, if there's a penny to be made, if there's a ten, if there's a, a basis point to be made, they'll go after it unless they don't know that they can go after it. And I think that's the problem is because, you know, what there's, you know, uh, did you hear? Um, well, this was also interesting that because um, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac have gone into conservatorship. Uh, that that actually, according to the contracts, and I'm talking about trillions of dollars in derivatives contracts, is a credit event, and all of those deals have to be unwound. And Lehman Brothers is a, is an essential part of that. You know, credit default swaps are a derivative. So there, I, I think that it's so big that no one understands how to unwind all of these deals that are pu poorly documented. Right. No, these, these derivatives of, of, you know, there's derivatives that go both ways on all these deals. As Lehman Brothers fails, there's other things making, you know, going up in value. And then there's insurance derivatives oh, that yeah, insure that's these outrageous. companies. And if you, Sorry, go ahead. There was like some, they had this on the other day, and there was some guy who's made millions and millions off of these companies, off of the Bear Stearns failure, because he had a derivative insurance. of an insurance that yeah. was covering this, that if this happened, you know, it would go up, and if you, if you shorted it, it would go up. Oh, yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Oh, I'm that, thinking. I was going to say that, that, that's been fixed now because, um, everyone's on to that, and with Lehman Brothers, uh, no, uh, wait a minute, it was, you know, with Lehman Brothers, right now it costs, to insure $10 million, it's like 786 basis points. So it's almost a million dollars now to insure $10 million if it's through Lehman, whereas it was like 70000 or something, like some fraction of what it was uh, it just up. a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, it went up a little bit. Hello. Yeah, I'm sorry. Your your this connection this week is not very good. I think okay. your daughter's downloading something. No, 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 no. She's not here. I, I saw. I remember. I'm all just me and my gold. Huh? Someone posted something interesting on uh, on uh, my drop. If you go to Google Maps, um, Ossetia has been wiped off. No longer <laughs> is the no seriously. No longer is the like the border showing what part of uh, Georgia is Ossetia or Setia. Oh, really? Yeah, it's been taken off of Google Maps. <laughs> Has it been made part of Georgia or Russia? No, part of Georgia. Huh. Yeah, there's a little politics going on there. Oh, yeah. I think that's the whole Russian thing is the one that is the story that we're, I mean, I, even if we try to piece it together, what's really going on, I think is going to, you know, something, the whole thing is flaky. Well, something's got to give somewhere, John. I mean, it's uh, it's like, you know, billions, tens of billions of dollars has flowed out from the, from the, from Russia and from the stock market. 
And uh, now a lot of these oil companies and gas companies are uh, are in trouble because they can't access capital either. There's just a shortage of actual money, and the only solution is to print it. And, right, which you- and yeah, no one wants to do that. Well, I don't know. Maybe they're trying to for. Here's another theory. If you're going to go that the whole thing is set up by the international banking community or whoever, which it is. Well, I'm not a complete subscriber to that, but let's just say that they're trying to fix the problem that we have in the United States, which is this unbelievable, you know, debt that we're suffering under. If you look at the most, you know, the the countries in the world, there's a CIA document on this showing all the the, the levels of debt that the various countries have. We're at, we're we're not even nobody's even close yeah, to our number numbers. one with a bullet baby so we're like way out in front but the way you pay off debts of course is with cheap money and so you want to go into a hyperinflation economy and then you can you can basically pay off all your debts really cheap because you know in hyperinflation everything all of a sudden starts going up in value and and which includes you know your pay and everything else and then so so now say you're you're working on the basis of making $50,000 a year and you had a $50,000 debt the debt stays at $50,000 but now because of hyperinflation you're making $500,000 a year yeah right so you can pay that $50,000 debt off like there's nothing. It's just one 10% of your salary when it was once 100% of your salary. And, you know, then, of course, the next year is you're making a million a year and then two million. I mean, this happened in Brazil. Oh, that's and I have some of the, the Brazilian notes. That I have a 500000 Cruzeiro note, which was worth like, would have been worth like the equivalent of $500,000. And when I got hold of it, it was worth it like a buck. Well, so, so hold on a second. So let, let me, and I'm, I'm totally with you on this because that, that is fascinating. Um, so how do they control that? How do they, how do they it, it, under the presumption that uh, it is the uh, the bankers who are the true owners of the universe and, and not not Lehman Brothers, but guys above that? Um, how, how do they how do they control that from happening? Do they just go threaten the unions and make sure that wages stay low? I mean, how do, how do you counteract? A hyperinflation well, when you start in that to go manner? into an inflationary mode, you have to raise the interest rates, right? And uh, I mean, you can, but you can only raise them so much before the economy essentially stops dead. It's right. almost like you know, stalling a plane, right? right. Which at, at, only... at, this, at this point, you can't you can't raise it because then no one will be. Then the housing market will never recover. Right. So you're you're between a rock and a hard place. Mm-hmm. They set it up almost as though. The, you know, once the hyperinflation thing takes off, it's like what happened in Germany in the 30s. Once the thing, uh, which could happen in our country in the, our next decade, which would be the downturn decade in, based on my cyclical stuff, um, once it gets, once the spigots open on hyperinflation, it's very difficult to control it. It just goes completely crazy. And I mean, it take, it might take three, four, five, six, ten years before you can get it under control. But meanwhile, during that era, you can pay off all these old debts. Right. And in a hyperinflation environment, what you want to be invested in is real property, because if you have like a house, uh, it's not going to go down in value in a hyperinflation environment. It's going to go up and it's going to skyrocket, as a matter of fact. So your, you know, half a million dollar home is going to be worth maybe 50 million for all you know. Then they have to, you know, but essentially that would fix the problem but it would cause an interesting nobody knows exactly what the end result would be i mean cuz germany went through it and they don't have any you know long term problems that i can see in their economy brazil's gone through it i think uh, uh uh argentina went through it it's been done 
I think the, I think the, the main difference in, in this cycle of, um, expansion contraction, which of course is how these, uh, true owners of the earth actually make their money by taking our, <laughs> our real possessions when, when they contract everything is that now that, you know, there is nothing left. No one has any savings. There's no 401k. There's no home. We don't own our cars. There's nothing left. There's nothing left to create the next bubble with. You know, we, they do, it, that's the way I see it is that you got bubble following on bubble and it's a 10 year, you know, whatever that cycle is. And this was the part of the housing bubble. And then we got the financial bubble and now it's over. There's nothing left to take. No savings, well, no money. There's just nothing. Well, there's there's actually um, I'm not convinced that you, your view of the scorched earth is ac- accurate. I mean, I have properties and uh okay way, john john up, you and i are in the top one percentile no, of the I'm universe looking around my neighborhood there's yeah, houses you, everywhere john, I mean, you live you live in these. an affluent neighborhood what are you talking I about i live in a middle class area of the northern california it's nothing particularly ritzy about it you know what but i'm people, saying no i know i but i think you're wrong i think they're more, they're more, the home ownership is extremely high in this country and yeah, there's a lot of people that were shaken out of their home ownerships. And you think but it's in over? Fact, if you look at the total you, you numbers, there's not that many compared to how many people actually own homes, and these homes would be extremely valuable in a hyperinflation environment. Yeah, sure they will be, but the people will never get to it, and they're walking away from it. They've been paying off their mortgage with their credit cards. This is. It was unaffordable. It was. It was a gravy train. That Everyone was on it. That is a small number of people, dude. I so disagree. Every, everyone was on the property ladder. Hey, you know, just refinance, refi, refi. I mean, look, turn on the television. They're still no, trying to did, do it. Well, no, everybody refied, but they didn't necessarily put themselves into a, into a hole doing it. Yes, a lot it's, of people did who just weren't a smart. A lot of people is not, a, it's not the majority of homeowners, that's for sure. How do you know? The numbers, they don't make any sense. Where I mean, do you, it's got to be, if it was 10% from? of the total home, we can do some research. And in fact, I'll bet you there's somebody out there that has the exact numbers. If it was 10% of the total total homeowners, I'd be surprised if the number was that big. It's just being exaggerated. Well, then the financial uh, meltdown has very little to do with the housing bubble then. No, I think it has, I think it's connected, but I think there's other things wrong with the financials. I mean, these guys were, they were doing crazy deals every which way. I mean, they were speculating on the oil. I mean, was it Lehman Brothers or Morgan Stanley, one of the two that has the biggest, uh, uh, they're they're set in uh, heating oil, I think, for this winter. They're the biggest holders of the, of all the contracts. Yeah, 80%. I mean, they're in everything. These guys have gone crazy. Yeah. Okay, well, one thing's for sure, it's overpriced, but interesting to see if, if you all of a sudden, you're, instead of making 50 grand, you're making half a million and then you can pay off. And that, I guess that'll only hurt the financial institutions. The banks. Yeah. Unless they have some small, uh, small, uh, fine print. Well, you there. know, they can be, they can also, the banks can be, the banks aren't going to be hurt because they're going to all be out of business. The, um, the banks can deal with this because if you really think who's going to get hurt, it's not going to be our banks. It's going to be China. China's yeah. the one that holds most yeah, of our hold, debt. they hold all the debt, yeah. 
You know, they won't do anything about changing the value of their money. They won't do this. They won't do that. They own all the debt. They threaten us every once in a while. They've done this a couple of times. Oh, you know, we can start dumping your, your, you know, your debt on the market. It's going to be your dollar's going to be worthless. Well, they, they won't do that because they export no, they can't, everything. They'll screw themselves. Yeah, yeah, so they yeah. won't do that. But the fact that they threaten it, it means it's a possibility. So you know, say okay, well, let's just go into hyperinflation, take the whole thing into the stratosphere, and we'll pay you guys off, get our money back, and you know, screw you. Here, here, have a dollar, you know, here, here, have $700 trillion, you know, which is worth nothing. Right. But can we actually keep the people um, in line with the hyperinflation? Because that's, that's got to lag behind. No, it always lags behind. But it, the Brazilians did it uh, the best. And if you go to Brazil and talk about this era, and I was there during part of that era where you couldn't cash your dollars in you had to cash in like within 10 minutes of your purchase because it was just like <laughs> because it was serious. changing it was like, so, so radically it was eating away the it's bankers like leaving a parking garage you have to you have to go 100 miles an hour otherwise your parking ticket costs twice as much by the time you get out so the the banks there are the ones who saved the day for the general public which it is when you got your pay for that week which would increase on a weekly basis because of the values you go right into the bank, and the bank would have all the mechanisms in place to ratchet whatever was they were holding right. with the inflation. Right. So, in other words, the interest rates were quite high, and so they you'd get your money in there real quick, and then it would ratchet while it was in there. But it didn't, you know, it discouraged actually having cash. So, which uh, countries did that? I want to look this up. Uh, well, Brazil, Brazil? Had, had one of the more interesting periods, and I think that was in, I don't look in the 70s and 80s, I think, something like that. And then Argentina had a, a, a bout of this, mm. and I think many of the South American countries had a bout. Uh, you can go to Zimbabwe. Uh, I actually had Zimbabwe written down on my, uh, on my list of things to talk about with you today, because I wanted to understand, maybe you have an idea, how does this work? Now they've got... Tsvangari, uh, Tsvangari, who was elected as the new um, leader of the country, but they still leave Mugabe in there, and he's like he's like still the president or something. How does that work? What's that? <laughs> they can't get rid of the guy. Yeah, but that's like that's crazy. Penny. That's crazy. He, then they, what kind of power does he? Have? He must have the power of the people behind him. This is what you know. Everyone calls him. No, a he's murderer. got the power of the secret police. He's yeah, essentially but, the Shah of Iran. Yeah, but what do you, oh, come on. The CIA can go in there and kick his ass anytime they want. Do you think they want to? Well, Zimbabwe or Rhodesia has never, no one's ever been able to control it. But yeah, I think they do. Of course they want to. It's just been extremely why? difficult. Why, yeah, why, why do they care? It's, it's a comedy act. You know, everyone's getting a kick out of it. Come on, Zimbabwe has something. I think it's already been pulled out, whatever it is. Yeah. But I'll tell you this, the, 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 there's an example of modern hyperinflation. And I, by the way, somebody sent me a note, I'm going to thank him later. Uh, they get, the guy trying to get some Mugabe dollars, which are the dollar, which right. are the hyper, you know, they sell, they, now you buy stuff with a brick, you know, they have, you just, <laughs> the money's so worthless that they brick it up and put a rubber band around it and then, you know, you but you know, you trade in the weight of the worthless money but there's these bills that got that have Mugabe's picture on them and I'm trying to get some Mugabe money you've only mentioned this I, five times you know I'm mentioning it the last time I'm not going to mention it again I mean I'm going to have to go through other channels obviously to get this money we have more listeners but, now so it may just happen you watch you'll start getting your well some guy Mugabe said he's got a, a million dollar Mugabe a million uh, dollar Zimbabwe note but it doesn't have Mugabe's picture on it but he's going to uh, send it to me anyway uh, and so at least I have a million dollar note and a million um, dollars. It's worth like 
two cents or a penny. And uh, but to a collector, it might be worth a dollar. So you know, whatever the case, there's a. That's an example of you know of a situation where you have hyperinflation run amok. So and I could say, you know, it, it, you know, what do you do when you're, you if you see the thing? This is one of the reasons I believe that most of our debt is kept in dollars, and that every time somebody wants to switch to the euro, we get upset about it. I always thought it would be fine if people switched the euros, and then we could reverse the trend of the value of the dollar, and then we could kind of screw over anyone who went to the euro. <laughs> well, the euro has to come down now. Yeah, that's what the European Central Bank is realizing. Is it's uh, it's got to come down in value. It's too high. Yeah. I was looking at, and of course, every time you mention this, there's always somebody writes, oh, you don't understand the international mechanisms. Because I always like to mention wine prices, and I came up with another one yesterday. So I'm yeah. looking at this wine. It's a very small Madoc wine I thought was pretty tasty. I had it. was like $13.95, inexpensive mm. Bordeaux uh, that was being sold locally. And so I decided to look up the Chateau, which I never heard of before. And I look it up, and there they had it for sale in England at one of the better places that had that has a good prices and it was uh it was 10 pounds 90 so the wow. wine in england was 22 dollars, and the wine here is was 14 dollars. and i'm thinking and the wine is coming from france which is a you know you could throw the bottles from bordeaux and hit london <laughs> so it wasn't like a big shipping problem and to get the wine to california you got to ship it across the atlantic ocean you know you put it on a train across the country or you got to run it around the panama canal I mean, this is a long way there must be five bucks in shipping to get this bottle of wine over here yet it's still cheaper by a good six, seven, eight bucks. What's wrong with this picture? Well, they have to uh, manipulate the markets better. Well, you know, just it's, you know, you see this obvious, you know, discrepancies about why is somebody in England paying twenty two bucks for, and this is, uh, and, you know, and this thing is obviously sold as a new wine, so it's been sold in euros, which is, you know, skewed to, toward uh, away from the U.S. Why am I getting this stuff so much cheaper here? It doesn't make any sense unless the whole system is like cockeyed. Me, uh... And that's why I mean it's like this. What I talked about the other week, where these you know you go to San Francisco, the place is crawling with Germans and French and Italians and a lot of British, and they're buying up the place because it's like they get all this stuff dirt cheap. But you look at what they're buying, and half the stuff's imported imported from Europe. I mean, it's like why are you buying the stuff here when you you know it's like when I go to Tokyo. And you go to the Ginza and you go to those stores and you look in there, they have all this European stuff in there. It's so expensive that you go, my God, why would I even be buying this stuff? You know, here's ridiculous. Then you realize it's because it's coming all the way from Europe, you know, and it's showing up in a Japanese store. Yeah, it's not going to be cheaper. Yeah. But, but it is here. Let me switch gears on you for a second. Uh, big news about Sotheby's, the auction house. Uh, for the for the for the first time ever, a living artist, Damien Hurst. Have you heard of this guy? No. This is the guy who does uh, st he does like uh, animals in formaldehyde and really weird art. Okay. Um, so he set up for uh, an auction on I think it's Monday, which is uh, estimated to sell sixty five million pounds worth. This is uh this may be the guy who actually did. I wonder if he did the uh, the the fat council collector or whatever it was that we talked about 
eons ago. But anyway, he's going directly through the auction house. I don't know much about auctions, but I do know that when people are worried about something, uh, he's not going through an agent. And now, and you know, this is, and of course, this stuff is all subjective anyway. And it's, and, you know, <laughs> it, what what is art worth other than the materials that it was put together with, or as Andy Warhol would say, what you can get away with. And um, and so there's people are thinking this is going to flop, which, mm. w- which would just kill the uh, well, kill a lot of um, how the, how the art world is thinking now that you know they've, they've all the grandmasters have all been bought up and no one's selling anymore and they're all hidden away or been stolen or whatever and now people are going after living artists and so it's uh, it's it's interesting it's something that's never happened in their history before. You know, if living artist stuff isn't dirt cheap. No, this especially guy, when the guys. This no, guy I'm just saying. Me. I'm saying if it's, if living artists' stuff isn't dirt cheap, it's not going to move. I mean, the only appeal of living artists, generally speaking, is to have a nice decorative piece of possibly good art, inexpensively, relatively speaking. Well, um, I don't know. So now, who's going to be paying you know this kind of money unless you're, you're projecting into the future that's going to be worth more? Because it's obviously when you get into the millions of dollars, it's investment grade art, and I don't, I'm not seeing it. But well, I have to look I, into this. I, I read this differently. What I read is that you bypass the dealer. The dealer is, of course, the key guy because he's the one that inflates the the value in the market and is out there doing the PR and the bullshit. Right. So, so now the artist is going direct. I don't know if 65 million pounds is uh, dirt cheap. Uh, I don't see that it is dirt. It's not inexpensive, but let's put it this way. If anyone who got there, and I think anyone who out there collects art from living artists, you 90% of the time if you find an artist you like, you go bypass the dealer anyway. This is one of the reasons the dealers have to mark stuff up because they know this goes on and the artists say, oh, you know, I've got an exclusive with such and such a gallery. That's bull. You can find an artist, you know, that you really like. You just track them down. You go to their studio. You fall all over yourself. And the next thing you know, you're getting the stuff at the artist price to the dealer or less. I mean, right. I've had people give me stuff. And uh, so that's not, that's bull. It sounds like the whole thing is a publicity stunt. To, oh, we don't have to go through the dealer and go straight to the auction house. If you really want this guy's stuff, just go visit the guy. He's this, not like hiding. Speaking of bull, the sales centerpiece is the golden calf, a sculpture of a bullock in formaldehyde with hooves and horns cast in 18 carats solid gold, expected to sell before between 8 and 12 million pounds. Hmm. It's a bargain. <laughs> They're giving it away. <laughs> <laughs> Buy two. <laughs> anyway, I'm just saying the whole thing sounds like yeah. a scam. And some tech news that you might be interested in. Um, the, uh, the the government the government commission. Wait, 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 wait! Before you go into the tech news, I want yeah. to just add one more little thing to yeah, the sure. art. I think, by the way, that most art, you know, the whole art scene is something of a scam anyway. Well, of course it is. But but so I'm I want so I I like rugs. You know, I like Turkish and Persian. Persian carpets, by the way, are dirt cheap now. I can get them rather than expensive. <laughs> well, stocks la- before before Iran but, is bombed but, to so shit. I'm, I've always been fascinated. <laughs> I've always been fascinated by like these carpets because they're all handmade, and I like the different kinds. And I like the flat weaves too. But 
So I know enough, and I read books, and I try to figure out because it's worse—it's worse, much worse than wine. I mean, it's just like extremely complicated business. So I finally found some expert, and he only had one word of advice. Uh, <laughs> okay. I found this guy who knows everything in the world about rugs and the Turkish rugs and the Afghan rugs and the war rugs and all the rest of them. And I, and I said, so he gave me a sage piece of advice. He says, whatever you paid for a rug, you paid too much. <laughs> uh, that's like the advice I got uh, when I looked at buying my own plane. And the advice was, if it floats, flies, or fornicates, you should rent it. <laughs> So uh, the, the UK commissioned a, uh, the government commissioned a report um, about the Internet because, you know, of course, just like America, you know, so we have to be leading. We have to be uh, the leaders. We need more bandwidth. And uh, so what they're contemplating now, and I didn't know that this was an issue, but it, now that I think about it, it's, it's obviously a, a beautification issue. Um, they're now talking about allowing fiber to, rub, to run above ground in order to, uh, to make it cheaper and to roll it out faster. That's not new. It is here. Well, I know because we have fiber coming to our place in Port Angeles, yeah, and it's yeah, above I, ground. You have to understand: in America, uh, telephone wires and all this stuff, and electricity is above ground. In in many countries in the world, John, it's un, it's below ground, and that's uh -huh. dumb because people think it's ugly. It is. Well, you know, I think it's charming to be honest about it. <laughs> I hate it because you know it really reduces the amount of places I can land my plane in an emergency. Well, that I can understand, but I'm looking at the, uh, I'm looking at, I, there's some neighborhoods around here that have, uh, you know, they, we do that too. We go underground. It always ends up getting flooded by the rain and yeah. it shorts out. It's, it's a disaster. But anyway, but some of the neighborhoods that had the telephone poles and they were like loaded with all kinds of, you know, cable TV and people just wire anything on there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they, and then they took the poles down and put it all underground and it looks kind of sterile. It doesn't have any life to it. I mean, it's just like, you know, it just looks kind of it's creepy to me i was raised in an environment filled with telephone poles i have to say but it's something creepy about the poleless areas there's no you don't feel the connection between people i mean you can visibly see the connections i mean you see this guy's hooked to the pole you know and i'm hooked to the pole and i got a cable tv thing coming in and you know and it's easier for them to make changes they want to bring you want to bring an extra no, line true. in that's you know true. they just that's throw true. it up on the <laughs> just pole just throw it over the pole yeah that's true I, that, I've never thought of it that way, as, as you can see the connections between people. That's interesting. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, and I've always found it to be somewhat comforting. And it's kind of cool to find, you go into the old part of the, you know, some old little town in the middle of nowhere, and they have all these old metal poles and these <laughs> old glass insulators, and it's still, you know, sparking, sparking but it's away. still working, <laughs> you know, and you go, wow, it's just something about it. I don't know, I think it's charming, and the, the fact that people, like, want to rip these poles down, I can see it in areas where you can't afford the wood, because these poles are, you know, typically... You know, pretty tall trees, but I don't know. Doesn't bother me, let's put it that way. Right. Well, anyway, it, it's a big deal over here because um, people don't like their wires running around above ground. It's not yeah, done. Yeah, well, in a city, of course, I mean, it's you don't want it because it doesn't make any sense. And you got a big skyscraper and a <laughs> telephone pole yeah, out front. Yeah, but the, the cities are never the problem. I mean, that London's got uh, 20 megabytes, you know, per second up and down. I mean, they've, they've got the shit. I'm still doing uh, one megabit down, 300 kilobytes up from where I am, fast as I can get. Yeah, that's and, pretty and, lame. And boy, it shows when we do these shows, doesn't it? Well, sometimes. Yeah.
But you know that's a pretty lame connection for today. It's extremely sure. lame, and and it's it's just because I'm too far away from the exchange. Yeah, you know, they just. I mean, I think it would be a anymore. good connection as a backup. Yeah, you know. Well, actually, I have one of those um, Vodafone dongles that you plug into your laptop, and mm-hmm. uh, um, although there there is a limit, so I can't use it all the time. Whenever I upload a show, I always um, plug that in because it uploads at almost a megabit per second. I have mm. so the wireless connection is better than the wired connection. Yeah, that's that. There's no reason for that. That's wrong. <laughs> I don't think you know wireless is great, but I'm not. I, wired is is best. I'm down with that. So what else? Anything? I don't know. You got your notes? I didn't get any. The only note I had was to do the Sarah Palin lipstick thing because somebody was interested on Twitter. They mentioned, you got to talk about it. What's your opinion? <laughs> and I, I also had a theory. Oh, yeah, I did have one thing I was going to do, which was uh, my... Uh, I was going to send you this video, but it was a picture. It was Clinton talking to Obama. Uh, yeah, I saw he was going to have it. lunch with it. He was going to have lunch with him, and then he was doing this thing. Uh, he came out and says he's going to... That Obama's going to win, win handily. Big. He's going to win big, is what he said. Well, he said the word was handily, actually. Oh, I thought he said big. Okay. Anyway, so he, but he, they showed this video. It's on the blog, and Clinton is standing there with his mouth open. He looks like he's gassed. And uh, he doesn't look well. Sp- Sorry. He doesn't look well. No, he doesn't look well. He looks like he's drunk, actually, and he sounds kind of slurry. And I'm thinking now, this is like out there. And I'm thinking, should I even bring this up? Because it's obvious that Clinton, Bill Clinton, wants Obama to win. He'll do anything for him to win for obvious reasons. He doesn't want his wife running in 2012 because it's a big hassle. And if she gets to be president, his life is ruined. (laughs) Right? Okay. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) His His life is ruined. Meanwhile, she wants to him to lose because she knows she has a shot in 2012 if he does. You know, I mean, the Senate's are going to be her last shot, and she'd love to be president. Otherwise, she wouldn't have put all this work into it. So she wants him to lose, and he wants him to win. I'm wondering if she's either poisoning him. Yeah, she's going to kill him. There you go. Thank you, John. I love that theory. <laughs> Next on the on the Clinton hit list is Bill. I mean, I mean, it just seems to me that he doesn't look himself, and he's kind of dingy, and uh, she, I'm sure, is not happy with this him going and meeting with Obama and then now going to Florida to promote him and all the rest of it. And, you know, I don't know if she has access to his food, but then again, it wow. could be, you know, anybody who would want to get him out of the picture, but then again, it could also be the Obama people, because if Clinton, for some reason, and I'm not wishing this on the guy because he's, you know, not even old enough to be elderly uh if something happened to him and he died let's say from natural causes he, heart you attack know, heart attack or the heart attack or from the bad operation or who knows what drug the drugs that he had to take i mean there's a million positive it would create a huge sympathy vote for obama <laughs> oh, man oh man so i mean so You're obama's camp could be killing him for all we know Wait a minute. <laughs> I mean, it's just like there's too many there's too many parties. It would be a great mystery, by the way, to write because there's all these different parties that would like to get rid of him uh, for all kinds of different reasons. And then again, if it would cause a symphony, a sympathy vote for Obama, then would Hillary really want him gone? Or then forget that. Let's don't kill Bill. Let's. Just make him kind of dingy and like a goofball, you know, because he's, you know, who knows, 
You yeah. know, so he's just standing well, there and making stupid yeah, comments. He can, get through, he can get through any kind of embarrassment. Let me analyze what you're saying, because that's very interesting. First of all, I think uh, the idea that he would hate to be uh, the first, uh, the first uh, man... Uh, is spot on because that effectively takes away his main source of income, which is just millions and millions and millions of dollars on the speaking circuit. So I guess right. you, can, you can't do that when you're uh, married to the president. So, so that would probably suck because, and you and I, and, and, and you and I know this, the guy's notorious cokehead. This is probably what caused his heart trouble in the first place. He may still be snorting coke. Do you think he looked high? He didn't look coked up. Let's put it that way. I don't think mm. so. Uh, but he just seemed like he was like didn't get enough sleep or his he's dingy. a shadow like, when you when he turned towards Obama and it was on profile he's a shadow of himself he's really really thin he's, he's like almost a, a Steve Jobs like transformation you know and Steve Jobs was seriously ill Clinton had a has a serious heart issue but um, he has not he's not gained uh, back any of his posture he, he was a he's a big guy. Yeah, yeah, and you used to work it's out wilting a lot. away. So anyway, so that so that makes uh, that well, you know, it wouldn't be hard if he's if he's still a cokehead. It wouldn't be hard to to keep him uh, addicted. Yeah, maybe I'm not buying that. I mean, at his age with a bad heart, I, I can't imagine him not having enough willpower to just say no to that. And, and I always wonder about people that are using drugs in their older years. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But the uh, He'd, something's up is all I know. It just seems he seemed dingy. He looked like he was like in some other planet. And then he makes these crazy assertions, which, you know, he's, he's thought Hillary was going to win, too, as somebody pointed out. But I just think that this guy's in like in, you know, he's part whatever we're going to see in the next eight weeks or seven weeks is going to be he's going to be part of the action. It's going to be again, like I said, when we started the show, this is going to be a hilarious little period to, to watch. And it'll give us something to talk about. And I'll tell you, my my blog numbers are way up because we, we do a lot of political blog uh yeah. Posts. Mostly my bloggers are all a bunch of Democrats, generally. And uh, we want to thank Bubba, by the way, for putting the notes yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, Right on to Bubba. Hey, so uh, I, I, I looked this up. He, so he said Obama will, will win handily? Yeah. Handily. Adverb. Yeah, he said handily. Skillfully, dexterously, de dexterously, expertly, conveniently, or easily. Easily is actually the third meaning, according to uh, yeah. I think he meant easily. And then last night on the Bill Maher show, you had your typical two. You had two Democrats, Salman Rushdie, who I didn't realize was a, almost a you know a socialist, and and Janine Garofalo, who's like you know this you know woman. By the way, case. by the way, I love Janine Garofalo. So lay off. She's <laughs> awesome. Have you seen those? Did you, did you see her tattoos on her arms? Yeah, she's got tattoos. Massive tattoos. Now she's hot, man. There's something really hot about her. I like her. I've never thought of her as hot in any way, but that's okay. If yeah, you but feel I that love way. all women because they're all sun princesses. Okay. Can I finish? Yes. So the two of them. These two are sitting next to it, and they both agree. And by the way, there's a guy from Wall Street Journal, John Ford, I think is his name, who who actually stood up to everybody very nice them at the sentiment email. But anyway, the uh, these two both agreed to each other that it's going to be a landslide for Obama. Really? No matter what anybody thinks, and that's they're not the only ones who feel this way. And that's where I think the Clinton thing came from. Interesting.
And what's interesting to me is that if you go to the other side of the fence, and I like try to listen to both sides for the purposes of this show, for no other reason. If you listen to Rush Limbaugh, uh, who's become a very good deconstructionist, um, he believes it'll be a landslide from. You no, know, he doesn't say it'll be a landslide for McCain, but he says he wouldn't be surprised. And I'm kind of more in agreement with him. Well, I, I except, think when the, except there's one uh, there's one little catch, which is. Um Although it was, I think it was poorly executed. Uh, Ron Paul's endorsement. Uh, what did he endorse? What, what, what exactly happened there? At first, I don't I, know. I was. I never got to see the end of it. I know that they were going to do some sort of a deal. I thought they were going to run the guy. Was he yeah. going to say this? The guy Webb, not Webb, but uh, the uh, that other the the the, the, the uh, libertarian candidate. Did he endorse him? I'm looking it up because, and, and this is, and I was really pissed because I, all of a sudden I started getting all of the emails from people saying, hey man, hey, you know, Ron Paul, man, run, you know, big announcement. And they had some heat going. Everyone was talking about it. Everyone was blogging about it. And yeah, we blogged it. Yeah. And then, uh, and then it's like, it just kind of dies and, you know, there's no, no coverage, no nothing. And I'm looking now on uh, campaignforliberty.com. I, I think that he endorsed the, was it either the libertarian? Oh, it would have to be the libertarian. Who else would be? Who would uh, it be? The Constitution Party? Oh, I guess there's another one. Yeah, there's actually about three fringe groups that are running. This is this is I, thing that that uh, our foreign listeners probably don't realize is that America is not just a two. I mean, effectively, it is of course a a two party system, but it's not. And, you know, anyone can stand up and run for president, and you know, you don't even have to be a member of a party. And right. there are plenty of people that put themselves on the ticket. The problem is, of course, they don't get invited to the debates. And so if you're not on television and you don't have the budget for television, then you don't become president, nor do you become Madge selling uh, palm olive. That's just the way it works. You know, yeah, it, it was, they, uh, they don't Bob, even have it on their on their website. What the hell is Bob this? Barr is the guy that's running. Bob uh, Barr, right. And Chuck uh, Baldwin. That's the Libertarian Party, the other right? Guy. He, no, Baldwin is the Constitution Party, and Barr is the Libertarian. So I think Ron Paul endorsed both of them. Is that the story? I don't know. I, I, I never got the follow-up to this story. I just blogged the first part of it, which was on the 9th, and then I never heard anything else and never bothered checking. You know, I thought it would show up in the, on the radar. never did. That's frustrating. Well, did you do a Google on Ron yeah, Barr and or Bob Barr and uh, Ron Paul? Yeah, so I have a divider, not a uniter. The American Chronicle is the top hit. Give me a break. This thing wasn't covered. Barr, oh, I see. Bar, oh, no, on the tenth, Barr asked Ron Paul to be his running mate. Right, but didn't he decline? Well, well yeah. Well, he said in advance a long time ago that he wasn't going to do anything that would. Uh, he wasn't going to do anything if he couldn't get the nomination as a Republican. I mean, he made a point of that. Oh, what's this now? I'm seeing Bob Barr pulled out of a press conference. Paul's campaign for liberty held at the National Press Club in D.C., which included independent presidential candidate Ralph Nader, Green Party candidate Cynthia McKinney. Oh, that's right. And Constitution Party candidate Chuck Baldwin. So I guess what Ron Paul was, was doing was saying, hey, here's some alternatives that you can also vote for. Cynthia McKinney, by the way, very interesting uh, uh, story. You know about her? No. Oh, my gosh. She, there's a there's a there's a whole um, documentary movie about her. I'll send you a link. I can't remember what the name of it is right now, uh, but she is uh, she's quite a history of uh, of changing politics in the United States. She's uh, a black senator.
black female oh, senator. I've, I've seen her. Yeah, not you mention it. Just yeah, a, she's uh, just a hand all of very sharp. Whoa, extremely. And Ralph Nader, um, he's he. I heard him on the Alex Jones show the other day. Um, he's now become a truther. <laughs> How about them apples? Well, the truther thing has got you know the the problem is is that you, here's the problem that the I don't know what I mean I'm almost thinking now that the government is encouraged encouraging this uh, the truthers because they refuse to release the videotape from the gas station showing the plane crashing into the Pentagon yeah. why because why? Be, because Maybe it wasn't there, a plane because yeah, it wasn't a plane. Not, John, it was John, a missile. Yeah, John, listen. Whatever. No, no, listen. Just listen to me for one second. I know second. all this crap. No, you don't know. You don't you. know about the flight data recorder. You don't know about that. All right, tell me about it. Okay, the flight data recorder. This is from pilotsfor911truth.org, and I'm a member of that because I actually That's the one thing I actually know something about is about flying, and so the NTSB finally released the um, the black box data. <laughs> and it's, first of all, it shows a, a, a trajectory this this uh, 757 made, which is any professional pilot and many of them have said impossible to do. You can't pull that maneuver off with that type of aircraft, uh, which is a 330 degree turn. Um, but also the altimeter settings, because, you know, we know the atmospheric conditions for each day. That's history, right? It's written down. And the way the alt altimeter was set and the data that the, the doctor data, the NTSB sent, shows that the plane actually overflew the Pentagon by about 480 feet as it dropped the motherfucking missile and flew off, which eyewitnesses have also said they saw happen. So there was no plane. That's why they don't release that footage, because it was... And by the way, it happened to be on a piece a side of the Pentagon that was under construction uh, that had just been fortified. Uh, it was the exact opposite side of the building is where any of the heavyweights sat. And by the way, if you're going to crash a plane and kill someone in the Pentagon, hit the freaking roof. Why, why try and skim along the ground, which is virtually impossible to do, skim along the ground for uh, hundreds of feet to hit right into the side? I mean, no. This was a missile that was sent by a, that was shot off by a plane that overflew and left. It's a standard maneuver. And that's from the data. This data, by the way, the black box rebooted itself 20 times in, uh, in this 45-minute uh, flight. That's uh, at least that's the the data that NTSB sent back to the uh, uh, pilots for 911truth.org. Mm. That does not either. That doesn't happen, or it, it would the plane would never take off. These black boxes are checked before they leave. There's regular routine checks. B rebooting twenty times in a short flight? No, it wasn't rebooted. It was doctored data, doctored poorly. Experts have have corroborated this, and that's why they're not going to release the footage. Never mind the fact that there's not a single shred of passenger or luggage. I love Flight 93, by the way. That's my favorite. The plane that bored itself into the ground in Pennsylvania. And they found nothing except a passport and a bandana belonging to the five-foot hijacker who hijacked this airplane with a box cutter. Nothing is found. Nothing but the bandana and the passport. Just okay, like Muhammad so you're Atta's you're passport, a truther, right? You're I've always been a truther. A truther. I've, no, I've, I've never hid that. I've always been a truther. So, so here's the thing that the, the, some of the other aspects that are kind of interesting. I mean, besides that, the plane crash in Pennsylvania. Um, there's a uh, 
if if the guy, if say that a fighter plane did a low pass over the Pentagon and dropped a missile or, or sent a little a stinger into the or whatever they sent in, it was obviously something big, uh, a side. I don't know. Boom! They blow it up with a, a cruise missile. Perhaps I don't know. I, why didn't they use a cruise missile instead of this fighter? Is another question. But I would suspect that the fighter pilot, if there was a fighter pilot, and the whole thing wasn't just a missile from the beginning sent from someplace else, which would make more sense to me. Um, the fighter pilot, I think, life would be in jeopardy. Um. Well, yeah. Who says the guy's still alive? You don't know well, that. I'm just saying. More important is what happened to the people on Flight 93. Well, you know, if you there was or one seventy-seven or whatever done. it was. <laughs> listen or to this. What? I want you to listen to this audio clip or this video clip of uh, Donald Rumsfeld. Um, you've probably heard this one before. It's a Freudian slip as he's giving a news Ever conference. Sense, if we imagine the kind of world we would face if the people who bombed the best hall in Mosul or the people who did the bombing in Spain, or the people who attacked the United States in New York, shot down the plane over Pennsylvania. Oops. Did you hear that? <laughs> shot down the plane in Pennsylvania. That's Donald Rumsfeld. Freudian slip. Come on, shot man. Down. Come on. Yeah, no, that's good. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. uh... I well, must have missed that. shot down, down, don't you think they'd find some of the bodies or something? But, I don't know. There was the, the other report that the plane never... Never left. You know, that whole thing was yeah, just rigged yeah, up, and yeah. they, they landed someplace. They took all the people off, and, of course, they're probably in a in Gitmo. I mean, who knows? I actually followed but, this whole 93 story about who owned that land. There was a big dispute about the memorial, and uh, I did follow that trail for a while. I got bored with it. Uh, but there's a, there's a lot of weirdness going on with the, the ownership of that of the land that, uh, where it crashed, and then next to it, you know, there was... Um, the people want to build a memorial. There's all kinds of stuff going on with that. That's that's weird. I think it's that and uh, World Trade World Trade Center building number seven. Those two really um, looking into that, investigating. That, those are the ones that really. When I said, all right, you know, we certainly need a, a brand new full investigation. You know, well, whatever the case, I think you might as well take the whole thing back to TWA Flight 800. That I think you is the could, number. you probably could, you probably you could, because that's still a suspicious. Uh, yeah, because they still have the, the guys reporting. And you know, nobody ever talked to me because they didn't do a very thorough investigation of asking the eyewitnesses anything. They just made their report that it was yeah. a this tank blew up, and then they still have, I guess, the model of the thing someplace. They have all the pieces yeah. in some warehouse, and they, I guess, they're still. Looking it over, but to tell you, John, yeah, I'm definitely a truther. Uh, I've just, I've just heard too many really smart people look at this from too many different angles, and uh, and the thing is, you know, I'm, I just turned 44, and I really have come to the realization that, and this, of course, is is the big thing. This is the big awakening, the big oh wow moment, is when everything that you've been taught from from a, a small child that there actually is very true evil in the world and there are people who are just evil and will do evil things so i you know and, and that that uh, so you'd put rumsfeld in that group <laughs> uh yeah i think he'd be uh, close to the top of the list no but, but there are just evil evil people and i've had a couple I'm, i remember when i first got into business you know because i'd been working in entertainment which you know you get like a check but never really ran my own company, and we had our own company. And you know, there were people who would come in who would seem like the most credible, and they were credible. Uh, and they just fuck you. 
People will just <laughs> fuck you. I mean, for money. For any, for money, they will do anything they want. Anything. They will lie and cheat and, and fuck you. And, uh, so this, this evil is out there. Yeah. Now, I, I, I would have to say that, um, you could pretty much query me on anything about, uh, in, in regards to 9-11, and I could probably uh, answer it. Okay, well, we'll have to do that. <laughs> it's like, it's like hmm, uh, fuck, no, I'm not going to ask this guy anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that there'll be some questions coming in. The latest thing that was in the paper was, uh, I loved this one. Because, you know, of course, the NIST, which is, it's a Bush, it's part of the administration. It's not like some, you know, it's an organization that he chooses, he puts together. Um, so they came out with their uh, Building 7 report, which, of course, was just laughable. Um, but they had to go a little bit further. And I think it was, it was yesterday. They were saying that the reason why the steel melted in the world, in the th first time in history, and they actually say this is an unprecedented event. This has never happened before. It's amazing what happened, John. You won't believe it. The actual magnetic structure of the steel in these buildings was somehow modified, probably due to age or something else. Road and weather conditions may oh, vary or mileage. again. Seriously. No, 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 no. This is coming from the You're government. No, 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 no. This comes from the government, dude. Listen to me. This is not from me. This is the ridiculous lengths they're going to to cover this up by saying, <coughs> well, normally, of course, jet fuel doesn't burn hot enough to melt steel, but these steel beams, something had happened, they, this is the government saying something happened to them magnetically, and they were su sufficiently weakened so they were able to start melting at 500 degrees. This is the government now saying this. Now, that's ridiculous. It's a new mercury alloy. It's ridiculous. It's frickin' stupid, and it's insulting. Well, I think that leaves us uh, hanging. Yeah. Anyway, your home your homework, John, is you should go look at Rosie O'Donnell's weblog. <laughs> yeah, you laugh. You laugh. I know Rosie O'Donnell. I've known her for a long time. Actually, I got yeah. her her first gig well, on VH1. Give me the summation, and I'll go look at it. She has uh, a guy on whose name is William Rodriguez. Uh, William Rodriguez was a uh, caretaker of, I don't know which tower, one of the two towers, um, and his office was on sublevel one. There were six levels, uh, so he was on the highest level of the sublevels. And before the plane hit the building, there were multiple explosions in the basement. Yeah, I know. This has been documented by a bunch of people that heard multiple explosions. Right, but it's not in the official conspiracy theory known as the 9-11 report. They, they they interviewed him. They didn't write anything. He gave him like 15 other names to talk to. One guy who was one level below him, who uh, his job was to restock the uh, the vending machines. Uh, he all his skin was burned off from the explosion. He lived, but he came up. Well, actually, I don't know if he lived or not. But he came up uh, with his skin hanging off, and you know, there's tons and tons of uh, eyewitness accounts of this. And there's all this. You know, it's all over the place. It's it's unhideable. You know, and that's. Okay, so maybe that's my or the alternative conspiracy theory, but the 9-11 Commission report, which I have right here in my bookcase, doesn't mention anything about that. Not, e not even, you know, the mention of, you know, some people thought. Nothing. I, c I, can, I can hear you sliding over to my side of the fence. It's, 
No, you know, the thing is that's interesting about this is that if let's assume that all the truthers are right. And this was a uh, Nurem. What's the you know, what they burnt down the Reichstag, I think, in Germany. Let's call it Pearl Harbor, the new Pearl Harbor. So you get so you get everybody all jacked up in you know, one way or another. The thing, because it's such a ridiculous event, you know, to drop these two buildings that were just in the middle of town and they're one, two of the biggest buildings in the world. And it took a lot of effort and planning, obviously, to make this work if all if the truthers are right. It's it's like it's it's almost like saying, look, I wonder how outrageous we can get with the American public to see, you know, before they realize that they're just being suckered left and right. Uh it's just that, you know, that concept that somebody, that, that a group of people, let's say, you know, whoever, the foreign relations crowd or whatever you want to, whatever they are. The yeah, the Council of Foreign Relations, yes. You know, which includes yeah. Obama. The, tri- the Trilateral Commission, yes. Yeah, yeah, all these crazy things. I remember reading about this stuff in the 60s. It, it's, because it's, that's it, when it started. That's when you, it was your duty. You were on duty, John C. Dvorak. You should have stopped that shit then. You let it slide. I was buffaloed. Yeah. Anyway, so um, it's just it's like, I mean, it's almost like a comedy act at, at this level if what you're saying is true. Because it's almost like saying, well, that's, how dumb are these people? Let's, let's you know, uh, do this and let's do that. I mean, it's almost to the point where you can almost suspect Obama himself as part of the whole grand he, scheme of things. Thank you. It's thank like, wait, you. Wait, wait, Finally. It's like, let's, let's see if we can get a black guy in. Oh, we can get a black man elected president. I think we can do that. Well, okay, well, let's change it a little bit. Let's make it a black guy with a ridiculous name. Yes, yes exactly. And and just to fuck with everyone, we'll make his middle name Hussein, just to mess with everyone. John, you know what? I, I'm so happy to hear this. You are finally seeing the light, my brother. You are waking up. You're finally seeing what... And you know what? You know why? They, they absolutely thought... Because they had all the media in their pocket. They have... Um, uh, radio, newspapers, books, television primarily. They've, you know, television is a hypnotic medium. I've been in it long enough to know how it works. You can absolutely bullshit anything you want for any reason. People will buy it because it's on television. I still think it's true. But what they didn't understand, and most of these guys, you know, they might have a Blackberry, which is simple enough for them to understand, but they do not understand the internet. They do not, they were not a part of this taking place. And, this is what's happened. All this collective knowledge is... Co- Look at Google. You type in Rumsfeld plane shot down. And within th- th- three seconds, I've got you know this video of him, which is re- not doctored video, of, of Rumsfeld talking about the plane in, in uh, Pennsylvania being shot down. This collective information that we have at our fingertips, which is, of course, the next thing to go... You know, they're now realizing, oh, shit, you know, more and more people are jacking into this, and they're starting to catch on. And that's where they made the mistake, because absolutely, Zygmunt Brzezinski, who is uh, Obama's advisor on foreign uh, foreign affairs, read his book, John. Read his book. His uh, I'll look at the title for a second. It, he outlines all of this stuff, all of it. And and these guys are huge on you know on on uh, on the Georgia thing. Yes, it's orchestrated, absolutely. And I and I totally believe they went out and looked for the Manchurian candidate. Absolutely. Now, they play both sides of the fence because they've also got McCain. And it's the same people. They don't give a shit. Yeah, you can't lose. They, it's a no they lose don't situation. give a shit. It's By like, your theory, there's a no-lose situation. Either one of these two guys gets yes, in. Yes. You know. Absolutely. They, they win no matter what. And they're saying the same things. 
You know, and right now, oh, this was so beautiful, man. I talked about this in a daily source code. So uh, huge Antonovs have been spotted in Afghanistan. Uh, and these are Ukrainian registered Antonovs, which, of course, immediately it's a explains. big monster plane. It's got like eight yeah. engines and a million yeah. tires. Yeah. And uh, so these are coming from the Ukraine, the place that uh, Vice President Dick Cheney visited during the uh, Republican National Convention under the cover of uh, of all that hoopla. And they're unloading tanks, John. Tanks. Now, let me ask you, because you are a man of the world. What will you do with tanks in Afghanistan? I don't know. Nothing. Because the Russians already proved that the tanks are ineffective in that mountainous terrain. They're unusable. However, the road to Iran is right there. And Iran is completely perfect for tanks. So, so this whole thing of, oh, let's move the troops out of Iraq, they got to go to Afghanistan, they're all going to Afghanistan because that's the ground force that's going to enter into Iran. Wow, that's a good one. I haven't, I haven't heard that one. That's not bad. I like that. So who says this? Is that your theory? No, no, no. This is from, uh, you know, there's pictures. Uh, there's uh... No, I mean, is this your theory about they're moving to Afghanistan? I mean, guys, I never thought of the two-step process where Obama wants to move all the troops to Afghanistan. And so and then you say so well, they, they both get do. to Iran They easier. both do. They both do. That's the whole, that's, this is how, this is how the... Yeah, the, they both the... do. But whose theory is this that we're moving stuff to Afghanistan so we can ar- invade Iran? Well, I can't say, you know, I'm sure lots of people have seen this because you open up Google Earth and you look at the freaking geometry geography of it all and you say okay i see where george is i see where ukraine is i see where afghanistan is oh hmm isn't that interesting now i know that tanks don't work in the mountains i know that i this is well all known right, all right okay okay so, now so what's brzezinski's book i'll read it over the weekend you'll love this book hold on a second brzezinski's book <laughs> don't you just love this collective uh here we go uh, Brzezinski's book. <laughs> yeah, this is Google. Oh, do you want to shut down this thing, folks? Just shut down Google. That's true. Oh, I'm really worried about Google. I am very worried about it. I'm worried about, you know, who's in charge over there. Let's be honest. Eric Schmidt looks pretty scary. Well, he was with Sun Microsystems for a long time, and there's a lot of connection between Sun Microsystems and the agency. Yeah, that makes sense, doesn't it? The Grand Chessboard is what it's called. America's primacy. Is it primacy or primacy? Primacy? It's, it's primacy. primacy, I think. Primacy. But it could be, I think it can go either way with it. America's primacy and its geostrategic imperatives. Read this book. All right. Read this book. Everything that is happening now or is being proposed is described in this book. This, okay, I'll get it and, and read it this week. And this guy is in cahoots with Soros. That, you know, so th- this is where all this money is coming from. Obama is like a billion dollar campaign at this point. It's huge money. Huge. John, I love it. Wow. I love that sound. I love that. You know, I'm going to let's stop the show right here because um, <laughs> the sound of silence. No, no it's not the Wait. sound of silence. It's He's the got si- me stumped again, ladies and gentlemen. It's the sound of you <laughs> actually going, hey, wait a minute. Uh, hmm. There might actually, there might <laughs> hey, actually wait a minute. be this crazy something. Guys got, yeah, oh, okay. my goodness. There might be something to all of this. Yeah. Lots more where that came from. Because yeah, remember, no, no one's home. a lot right? of it next week, I'm, I'm hoping. <laughs> hey, and uh, we didn't talk about it, but I hope people are okay in Texas. 
That, yeah, uh, that storm is really a whopper. Yeah, that's massive. And of course, it it gets coverage, but not the same type of urgency as uh, Gustav got. No, Gustav got more because of the New New Orleans thing. And the fact yeah. it was during a convention that gave him an excuse to uh, uh, send Cheney to the, you know, Ukraine. Ukraine. Mm-hmm. So um, the, the the interesting thing, you know, about the, I mean, this thing, this storm thing, is like taking up the whole Gulf of Mexico, and come, as it comes in. But the thing that always gets me about these storms is they, you go to CNN or any of these stations, and they got these guys in the storm. Yeah, Geraldo, but it's Geraldo Rivera is the funniest. Have you seen him? And his hair, no, uh, and like a, a piece of the pier popped up and hit him in the leg. It was hilarious. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, this is great. This is television. Yeah, oh, it's boy. crazy. Yeah. All right. Uh, wow, this was one of my. Uh, I've never ended the show on such a high. Well, good. <laughs> I shouldn't get used to it. I'm going to go watch Cal. Hopefully, beat Maryland. All right, I'm going to take my daughter to Wagamama. Okay. You are you familiar with Wagamama? No, what is Wagamama? It's like a fast food Chinese, uh, Vietnamese type place. Kind Never of. Never heard. They don't have them here. No, it's English. It's an English outfit. They got, they got like fifty of them or something. It's pretty big. Huh. All right. Um, one of these days, you know, we're gonna have to actually do a show midweek because something astronomic is gonna take place. Yeah, we can do it. So I can gloat. Say, see. Well, you haven't had many opportunities. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Coming to you from Gitmo Nation East, uh, my name is Adam Curry. And from Gitmo Nation West, I'm John C. Dvorak. We will talk to you again next week right here on No Agenda.